Listen, how many of y'all were here last week? How many of you grew a little bit last week? How many of you were changed a little bit last week? How many of you understood what it was to love God last week? Well, good. For those of you that weren't here, let me do just a little bit of a recap. God has been dealing with me about where we are as a church and where we need to be as a church. And I will tell you this, that there is a vein or a river flowing through some of the churches right now of going back to some things. And before you call it old school, I will call it his only school. Because what we've been doing is we've created pro uh, programs, procedures, and all of this fluff in the church and called it God. When God is very simple in nature and he's given us very explicit instructions, but yet the church has walked away from it because it's not the popular thing. Let me just be honest with you. In the church, it is not popular to win the lost anymore. It's just popular to go to church on Sundays. It's popular to have good worship, cool lights, good sound, all of those pieces. It's got to look cool. You got to have a cool kids' church. You got to have a cool youth group. You got to have young adults. You got to have all this stuff. And if you don't have all the stuff, you're not a cool church. Truth be told, none of that was experienced when Jesus was walking the earth. The only thing that was happening was Jesus was bringing the word of God and people's lives were being changed and they were living and choosing to live for God every day of their life from that point forward. They were having encounters with God. They were experiencing God. Problem in the church today is that we don't experience God. We don't feel God. We feel good. We don't feel God anymore. We just feel good and we feel good about the moment and we try to take a moment and make it stretched out throughout our week. Could you imagine a church where you come in on a Sunday and you feel the unction, the power, the manifestation of God and that is what you feed off of during the week. There is a difference between a AA battery and a car battery. It's amazing to me how many times we try to function off of a double-A battery experience when God says, I am even bigger than the car battery in your car, and I will jack your world up. I will get you pumped. You go, Pastor, is this all the coffee talking? Part of it is, yes. But part of this is just because I love God and I know how good he is. And when I start talking about him, I can't stand still. You'll start to see me. I start moving a lot. I can't keep my feet still. I, I want to run around the room. I'm, whoa, God's good. Could you imagine, have you seen some people, some believers look like God is bad. Man, you go to church and they're like in worship. Man, I don't want the God you got. I can't deal with the God you have because, man, it should affect this. And it's not. What is wrong? No. We've, we're not excited about the things of God. When you got up this morning, Jesus help me. When you got up this morning and you wanted to hit your alarm six times. I did it three. Amen. I'm not going to lie. I said it real early, so my body kind of just rolls into that space. Amen. And so you, you got up this morning. You rolled out of bed. Did you get up and go, Ooh, this is going to be a crazy day today. God's got something supernatural for me, not just for the church, but he's got a word just for me. Oh, no, I'm going to wait till I get to church and hear what pastor's going to preach, and then I'm going to decide whether that word is for me or not for me. No, anytime there's a word that comes out of the Bible, it's for you. It's only up to whether you apply it or not. If you won't apply it, it won't become fruit in your life. When you woke up out of bed this morning, when you were getting your kids ready and they didn't want to brush their teeth, put their clothes on, they looked at you and, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, can we go somewhere? No, because we're going to church. Were you, did you have expectation or were you regretting crawling out of bed this morning? See, when I got up this morning, even though I'm pastor and I know I got to do this, listen, you get to sit there and listen. I got to talk. But I got up with expectation because I know God does something amazing when we come together. I know that when we come together in gathering in one accord, God says, that's where I'm going to be. 
For when a two are gathered agreeing upon one thing, it shall be done. One can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand. This is what we're about. But we've got to get back to the root of what he's purposed us to do in the earth. So I gave out a new mission last week. Our mission here at the house from this point forward until I breathe my last breath will be to love God, to love people. To love God, to love people. Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 31. This is that commandment of scripture that we will live in, that we will make everything that we live and breathe and everything that we do. It says here, it says, the first of all commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord, your Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Can I just kind of add the word in there? He is number one. He is first priority. There is no one above him. There is no one underneath him. There is no one to the left or the right. He is and will always be one. And then it goes on. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. He says there, this is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I had never really read this. I've been in ministry since I was 19 years old, and I never really read this next piece of verse because it says there is no other commandment greater than these. Jesus was not referring to a chronological order of commandments. He was referring to what is the greatest and what will do the most damage to the kingdom of hell. He said, love your Lord, love the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as your Self. So last week I started to deal with these different places, the, the four legs of, of what Jesus has commanded us to do and how to love. Truth be told, we live in a culture where there is not much love. We don't love each other. We just like each other until somebody does something wrong and then we curse them out. We say words about them. We talk about them. We post things on social media about them. We do things that are contrary to the word of God. And, and, and so now we're not even loving God because truth be told, when God doesn't do what we want, we curse him too. Mm. Quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning because that's the truth. When God doesn't move the way we want him to move, we get mad at him. When God doesn't give me what I want, we get mad at him. And God says, I'm not going to give you what you want till you love me the right way. The same way my wife says, listen, I'm not going to do everything you want me to do. Do you love me the right way? Truth be told, this part of scripture of heart, soul, mind, and strength is how we should love all the time. We should not only love God that way, but we should love our spouses that way. We should love our children that way. Let me break this down for you because I want you to get this in, in verse 30. It says, it says, and you shall love the Lord God with all of your Heart. I defined this last week to help you understand that when he says heart, he's not referring to a spiritual heart. He's referring to a physical heart. He's referring to your temporal, your now, your existence right now. He says, love me with your now right now. Love me with everything you are right now. Here's the thing I said on Sunday that, that, that caught me when I went back and listened to it. We will love God with all of our heart until it stops beating or until it skips a beat. And then we will question that love. If you want to be truthful, I've watched people who go through sicknesses that say they love God as long as everything is good, but the moment their mortality is on play, then they start to question the things of God. And then God has to walk them through the valley and get them out of the valley. It's amazing to me how we can declare God in the good seasons, but we, we decrease in our declaration when we go through a bad season. He said, love me with your existence. When you woke up this morning, that's loving him with your heart. When you go through your day, that's loving him with your heart. When you go to sleep tonight, that's loving him with your heart. But he says, once you've loved me with your now existence, I need you to love me with your soul. What is your soul? Your eternity. 
In other words, I'm willing to love you now, God, but I'm also willing to love you all the way into eternity. It's amazing to me how many believers will not even cross the finish line because they have no desire to spend eternity with God. They just want to spend their now with God. They just want to have their, God, I'll give you my heart, but what about your soul? What about your soul? Your soul can't be affected until your heart is. You can't give your soul, you can't love God with all of your soul until you've loved God with all of your heart. Because he's got to get your current before he can get your eternity. Watch, let me prove it to you. When you got saved, that was your now. You were in a church service, you were somewhere, God spoke to you, you came to an altar, you said, God, I give you my heart. You gave him your now. And he says, Brian, I want to love you into eternity. Now I got to trust you with the finish line, not just the start line. So he says, love me with your heart, love me with all your soul. And then he says, love me with your mind. And I'd said this, but I want to make sure I re-clarify this again, that the word mind is never written in the old law. In Leviticus and Deuteronomy, it was never declared. Jesus is now on the scene speaking to a scribe, a writer of the law. And he looks at the scribe and he says, you shall love the Lord God with all of your heart with all of your soul, and he adds the word mind to the story. And you go, why did he add the word mind? Because Jewish culture says that the heart and soul was the center of one's mind. But Jesus said, no, because now that you want me, you have to have an understanding of me. You can't just love me in the feel goods. You got to start digging me out and start understanding who I am. You got to get in my word. You got to understand the scripture. Study to find thyself approved. And all you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Those are just scriptures that say you've got to get some understanding of the things of God. People perish for the lack of what? But what we have, what we typically do is we wait till Sunday till pastor gives us the knowledge. And he didn't say that. He said, you have to go dig that word out. You have to gain a greater understanding. There's a word that we don't talk about in the church anymore called rhema. Rhema, divine revelation from God. How have we preached out of this book for over 2,000 years? Let me tell you why. Because it is full of revelation. And I didn't say revelations in times. It is full of revelation, divine speaking from the voice of God to your heart to show you greater things. Why is the rhema not existing? Because we're not looking for it anymore. We don't dig the word out any longer. We just underline what pastor preaches and go back and listen to his sermon three times. Please do not live on my studying. Because you won't get the grade. I will, but you won't. You can't get an A off my study time. You're going to have to study it for yourself so in a season you can apply it. He said, love him with your heart, your soul, your mind, and then your strength. And this is the tough one. If I'm going to love God with all my strength, then it's going to have to exhaust me. When was the last time you were exhausted loving God? Oh, but Pastor, God says he's going to give me strength. He's going to mount me up with wings as eagles. He's going to give me all this. He's going to restore the joys of my youth. That's what he says. Yeah, when you've, exi- when you've exhausted your flesh. See, what's amazing to me is we ask God to strengthen our flesh, not our spirit. God, strengthen my mortal body. Don't strengthen my spirit, man. Let me have some. I want to live in an existence where my flesh is worn out, but my spirit man is strong. Because when my spirit man takes over, I get all that fleshly junk out of me. I get all that fleshly, worldly stuff out of me. I stop doing the stupid stuff I used to do. And I start walking in the things of God. I start declaring the things of God. I start doing the things of God. I start existing with God rather than visiting him on Sundays. I need to exhaust everything that's in me. And let me say this as a sidebar. You should love everybody else to exhaustion too. Or you have not loved them. Jesus didn't say love them to death. That's what Jesus did. 
How do you know that? Well, I'm going to help you see it in just a minute. This morning, I want to go on to the second phase of this mission. I need you to catch this this morning because this is the hardest part. We live in a culture today that is the give me culture. It is the hand me out culture. Give me something for nothing. It bothers me when believers go to people with a pauper attitude, a poor man attitude, and saying, give it to me because I'm a, I'm a church member. Or you know what drives me nuts? And I'll say it for the whole Facebook world to know. It drives me nuts when pastors go to businesses and ask for handouts. You act like God's not bigger than that. You think, oh, well, we're a church and we need a handout. No, you don't. You just walk in it and God will do the rest. Don't sit there and beg and borrow for stuff. Let God be God. Walk in like you are the righteousness of your father. Walk in like you, you know who your daddy is, that he's the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Not like, oh, God, I'm poor. Look, can I just say this to you sidebar? This is not even my notes. Will you please no, don't ever tell anybody you're poor ever again. That is not the attitude of a believer. When I gave my life to God, I am no longer am poor. I, poor is not a financial condition. Poor is a heart condition. Poor is a soul condition. Poor is a mind condition. Poor is a flesh condition. I am not poor. I am rich in him. I am beyond wealthy in him. I have peace of mind. I have joy, unspeakable joy. And when it seems like the money's not there, for some reason, God always seems to show up at the right time. He says, and the second like this in Mark chapter 12, verse 31. The second like this, he says, you shall love. Now, I need to stop right there because I don't want you to go any further. I know you're reading in your Bible, but it'll keep going. No, I need you to stop right here because he didn't say you shall preach, prophesy, or pray. In other words, stop acting religious and love people. Stop getting caught up in the cycles of what you think God wants you to do and start be obedient, be, being obedient to what he told you to do. It says, and you shall Love. It did not say anything else. Why does it say in you shall love? Because the word says that God is love. God is not praying, preaching, or prophesying. God is love. It doesn't say it about anything else. The other things come out of right relationship. The problem in the local church and churches all over the place is there's a bunch of praying, prophesying, and preaching without any love. Mm, Y'all catch that one in a minute. Why does he say love? Because God is love. What we do every day as believers must be led by God, right? Everything that we do when you get up. Now, I'm not saying when you get up and you decide which pair of shoes you're going to put on that you need to consult God. Your eyes tell you which shoes don't work. Amen. Hopefully. Hopefully. If you just don't have a sense of that, that's okay. We're going to pray for you. Amen. But, but, but when you get up and look at your clothes, I don't walk in my closet and go, okay, God, I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to stick my hand out and I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to lead me what clothes to wear. I will look a hot mess, probably end up in a dress because my wife's clothes are close to mine. And that would be awkward. Amen. Amen. Okay, so, so I'm not saying that. But when I'm in places, when I'm moving in spaces, when I'm doing, I'm consulting God. You might not ever hear it, but trust me, my spirit man's in check. Hey, God. Okay, I'm in Walmart. I know what I got to get. But send me down the right aisle this, today. Send me into the right place. Let me get lost in Walmart for a minute. Oh. But I don't have time for that. Maybe if we had a little more time for God and a little less time for us, we'd finally start doing what he's purposed us to do in the earth. If we'd make him the priority. Y'all remember when you got saved? Who it was all God or nothing. Oh, man, I'll pray for everybody. I'm going to lead everybody to Jesus. Were y'all like that? I was. I mean, all seven times I got saved. Amen. (laughs) 
But the church isn't loud like that anymore. The church doesn't have that heartbeat anymore. The church just wants to exist into a Sunday experience. I had a conversation just yesterday with a lady about this, that the church is just what we do in Southeast Louisiana. We live in a Catholic culture. Catholic culture says go to church. But it doesn't really tell you why. It doesn't tell you the experience you're going to have. It doesn't give you an expectation. It is just the due diligence of someone who says that God is their God. Do you understand that because I serve God and because I love God, I get to walk in all the benefits of God? Woo! Y'all have no idea because, man, that should have got you pumped right there. When I said you get to walk in the bed, woo! Man, this is nuts. I'm excited about this. You should be too. Pastor, we're not crazy like you. Maybe it's time you take off your governor, unscrew the screw and let it go. And just lose your mind so that you can walk. Man, I'm telling you, there's a day coming in the church where we have to get over ourselves and get in him and just lose it and let him be God and experience the fullness that he is so that we can walk. And he says, and you shall love. If God is love, then we should be led in love and demonstrate his love every single day of our lives. It says, and you shall love. Who? Me, God, I'm going to love me. I'm going to love me. No, God, I love you, now I'm going to love me. He said, nope. He said, love your neighbor. You go, but Pastor, what about me? What, what about me? Why is it not about me? Because if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's already been about you. Because you gave up you so that his love could come and dwell in you. He says, now that you understand my love and you've received my love, now I need you to go demonstrate it to other people. And yes, I'm going to tell you to go love your neighbor. And before you just think it's the one that lives next door to you, the word neighbor is defined as person who is close to you. Your neighbor is the person sitting next to you. You should love them. If it's your spouse, you really should love them. If you got in a fight in the car on the way to church this morning, you should look at him in the face and go, baby, I love you. I know you're mad, but I love you. Because you should always be loving. Pastor, I don't want to love. I want to be mad. Then you haven't let the love of God touch your heart yet. Because let me help you with something. The one thing that corrects me when my wife and I get off is the love of God. Because he brings me into correction and goes, now go fix it with her. God, I don't want to tell her that. Tell her now. God, I didn't do anything wrong. Go love her anyway. But God, she did this and this and this. And she thinks the same thing too. And I walk in the room and go, all right, stop. I love you. You're just saying that. No, I'm not. I really, I have to say that. First of all, because God's mad at me right now and I'm tired of him being angry at me. But second of all, I need you to know that I love you because you're the one closest to me. I love you. He didn't say you had to love the world. He said you have to love your neighbor. There's an epidemic in the church that thinks we have to save the world. No, you have to reach your neighbor. You have to just be willing to say yes. He didn't ask you to save the world. That was Jesus' job. How do I know? So glad you asked. John 3.16 says it this way. For God so loved the world. Who? God. So loved who? The world. He didn't say Brian loved the world. He said God loved the world. That God gave his son to do what? To die. He gave his son to die for who? His neighbors. Who's his neighbors? (laughs) You're the ones closest to him. For you are his heart. He died. He sent Jesus to die for you. What are you willing to give up for your neighbor? He said your neighbor. Have you ever wondered why he said your neighbor? Let me help you. 
Your neighbor is the closest one to you besides your family that truly sees who you are away from church. And hiding in your house doesn't make you a good neighbor. But going over next door and going, just wanted to say hi. Hey, man, you've been on my heart, and I know you probably don't want to hear this from me, but you know who I am and you know what I believe. Can I pray for you? Hey, I haven't seen your son. Is he okay? He's been sick. Can I pray for him? I just need you to know that God loves you, and so do I. Look, I know you didn't mean to knock down my fence the other day, but it's okay. We're going to get it back up. Hey, I don't know why you keep parking in front of my house all the time like it's community property, but can you? No, it's all right. You can use the front of my house. Sure, you can use the water out of my hose. You, you, oh, don't, don't answer the door. We treat our neighbors like the, never mind. No, I'll say it. We treat our neighbors like the Jehovah's Witness coming knocking door to door. Shh, shut up. They'll go away. Instead of open the door. Can I tell you, I love when the Jehovah's Witness knock on my door. This gets fun because they open the door. Do you know the Lord? I do know the Lord. Do you know the Lord? Because I need you and I to compare what we know. Well, who are you? Well, I'm a pastor. It's with the moment you say pastor. All right, have a nice day, sir. Because they know I'm not going to fight with them. I'm going to love them. I've invited them in and given them waters and all kinds of stuff. Hey, can I? Listen, I know we probably philosophically, theologically don't believe the same thing, but I still love you. Can I get you a bottle of water? These dudes are sweating from the top of their head because they're wearing like black pants, white shirt and tie in the middle of Satan's summer in southeast Louisiana. These poor dudes are like knocking on, going on a pilgrimage. Can they tell you what my pilgrimage is? Hold on. Let me walk out my front door. Let me walk to my next door. That's my pilgrimage. That's my pilgrimage. No, I'm just going to save people at church. No, that's not what he said. He didn't say love church folk. He said love your neighbor. Love the ones who see the non-church you, not the ones who see the church you. Oh, geez. We get all dressed up, put our best face on sometimes. And, uh, and when we go to church and we try to look the part, and even if we're going through hell or whatever, we lift our hands and worship, and all the insides, we're angry because things aren't working the way we want them to, or we're trying to balance our checkbook while we're trying to sing worship songs, or while pastor's preaching, we're balancing checkbooks, we're checking Facebook. We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do it anymore. We just exist. And Jesus said, not only do you love me, but I need you to love your neighbor. Your neighbor's the closest one to you. He says, love your neighbor because they are the ones we overlook in order to love the ones that are easy to love. He says, love your neighbor because he called you to reach the one, not the 99. For so long, we've ignored those that are situated closest to us because we might have to do this thing 24-7 rather than two hours on a Sunday. Why does he say neighbor? Because if everyone's close to you, baby, you got to live this all the time. You don't get to just live it when you want to. You got to live it all the time. I'm not saying you got to be perfect, but baby, you got to strive for something. Do you have any goals in the things of God? Or does God have to have goals with you? That this thing of just existing in church and calling us holy is so ludicrous. If God says, be holy as I am holy. If he came to the earth right now and said, I'm going to sit next to the holy people, would he sit next to you? Hmm. I'm not talking about people who are non-believers yet. I'm talking about people who are believers. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love the neighbor as who? As who? 
Now, let me say this to you real quick. You cannot love a neighbor until you love you. There was a culture, a space in the church for years that said, y'all just love everybody else and forget you. I just, that's how you should love. You should just, just give up, sacrifice you and love everybody. That is the most ignorant statement on the planet. Because if you do not love you, if you cannot love what you see in the mirror, baby, you can't love somebody else. That is defective love. But when the love of God comes into your heart and it really transforms you, man, you start to fall in love with who you are. Ooh, I, God made me. Look, I, I know I'm not the picture of fitness, but God loved me. God made me. I'm this guy. And you don't have to like the package, baby. My wife loves it. He gave me her so I could have somebody that would admire this thing. Amen. You might go, well, you're not the hot stuff for me. That's okay. But when God formed me, he broke the mold, baby, and I'm good. And y'all go, oh, you're full of yourself. No, I'm full of God. He poured his spirit in me. Capped that sucker off and said, it's going to stay right there. And when you pop the cork off, I'm going to kick you in your behind and fill it back up. See, this is the problem. We don't even act like that anymore. We don't even act like God really dwells in us. We're not eh, full of ourselves. You can be full of yourself when you're full of God. But as long as you're not full of God, you cannot be full of yourself. Trying to help you this morning. When I wake up, God goes, ooh, my boy's up. Yep. That's my boy. Woo! Brian's up. Hell's in trouble. Here he comes. Next tomorrow morning when you wake up, what's going to happen? Oh, God. When you wake up, do the alarms go off in hell or do they celebrate? Woo! Brian's up. It's going to be a great day. Or when you wake up, oh, God, why did he wake up this morning? I'm hoping that every day I wake up, the alarms go off in hell. Dang it, he's going to hurt us today. I know who I am in God. But he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love you because you understand the love of God. Let it dwell on the inside of you. Then you will be effective at loving your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Watch this. Who in this room real quick loves Popeye's fried chicken? <coughs> loves it. Loves it. I mean, you, you're getting hungry right now. I just said it. Popeye's. Popeyes. You're almost more excited about Popeyes than you are about Jesus right now. Woo! Popeyes. Now, if that's the problem, we're going to pray for you in just a second, so be careful how you lift your hand. Amen. All right, by show of hands, who loves Popeyes? Who loves Popeyes? Good. 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 Pastor Robert, come here. Just hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me, let me move this out of the way because i got to show this to you. Hopefully, you'll catch this real quick. Now, now I, I, I love you, and to demonstrate my love for you, I got you some Popeyes this morning. You can sit down. You here? And look, I'll even open up the box for you. I'll show you what you got in here. There's some good stuff right there. This is a two-piece red beans and rice, a biscuit. Woo! Stop. It's real. Stop. As much as you love it, you can't eat it. Because he said to love God and to love your neighbor as who? Yourself. So that means everything that you desire, you should have a desire to give away. Look, you see him twisting right now. So, Pastor Robert, before you dig in, I need you to find a neighbor in this room that loves Popeyes as much as you do and bring them to the table. Don't move too quick. I didn't say bring yourself, brother. I said go find me another person. I, I don't know. Who else likes Popeyes? We're going to find out real quick. And don't pick the ones you know. How about that? Uh-oh. 
Yeah, pick somebody you don't know, Pastor Robert. Well, you got to go get her, brother. She ain't coming. You got to go get her. He said, love your neighbor. He didn't say summon them from across the street. He said, go love them. Not, not what I need you to do, Pastor Roberts. I need you to bring her back to the table, and I need you to serve her what's yours. See, the Lord is hearing it. Woo! God has heard your cry. In the wilderness, she gets her Popeyes. Now you get to serve her. Now you can sit there and eat that Popeye. Now, now, no, no, you, no, no, you got to eat it now. You ain't got a choice now. You can take it home, but you at least got for the illustration. You got to eat something out of that box. Amen. So you can eat right now, right in front of everybody. Make everybody in the church hungry. Now, 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 watch this. This is this is the hard part. This is the hard part. Now, Pastor Robert feels like, wait, I gave up everything that I had. But see, what we're missing is the goodness of God in this story. Because the goodness of God says this, you give away your two-piece, Bubba, and God brings you a four-piece. He says, go ahead. He says, when you love your neighbor as yourself, when you empty your vessel, see, that man's happy now. He's like, woo When you love your neighbor as yourself, God says, baby, empty your vessel. Because if you'll empty it, I'll fill it to overflowing all over again. I'll give you exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask or think. He said, love your neighbor. Listen, stop hoarding your stuff and give it away. Because you know God is bigger than everything you have. He's bigger than every place you've been. He's bigger than every statement you've made. God is bigger than you. Y'all keep eating. Enjoy your Popeyes. Have a good conversation. Amen. I'm going to finish my message. He says, serve them. Give it away. Give away everything. It wasn't yours in the first place. Can I just say this to you real quick as a sidebar? Just as a sidebar. Because I know we deal with this in the culture that we live in in Southeast Louisiana when I talk about giving. When I say give, everybody goes, that's my money. Uh-uh. It's better in his hands than it is in yours. It should be the same way with everything in your existence. I am not a pastor. I'm doing God's work. I am not a dad. I'm doing God's work. I'm not a husband. I'm doing God's work. I'm obedient to him. And because I'm giving everything that I have to those spaces, he's making me better on the backside. If I give everything I have to my boy, if I love him with everything I've got, then when I fall asleep at night, he restores me, gives me more so I can love even greater tomorrow. When I, when I love my wife, when I love my neighbor, when I love you, when I love people outside, when I love my mechanic, he brings him to my house. And, then I, and I'm hoping and I'm believing. And I said it to him. I said, ah, I'd love for you to be a part of this thing. Because, oh, I, 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 that's part of filling me up. You got to see them. You got to serve them. God didn't say you had to give it all away. He said you just have to give everything that you have and trust that He will refill what you've given. Can I just say this? There's a danger in living in all of the old and never adding something new. We should we should give, demonstrate God's desire to love people. There is, and it says in verse 31 at the end of it, it says, "There is no other commandment greater than these." This should be the mission of every church and every believer, to love God, to love people. 
not just heard, but underlined, written on the walls of our heart, declared all over our city, and demonstrated each and every day. Love God, love people. I cannot love people until I've loved God. Until I give God my first, I cannot give people my second. So I've got to make sure that I've had time with God this morning, so I'll be great at loving people all day long. This is how it closes in that scripture. So, so the scribe said to him, well said, teacher, you've spoken the truth for there is one God and there is no other but he. And to love him with all of the heart, with all the heart, with all of your understanding, with all of your soul, with all of the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Look at that verse 34 again. It says, you are not Far from the kingdom of God. Not far from the kingdom of God. He did not say that he had inherited the kingdom or was part of the kingdom. He said, you are not far from the kingdom. A distance that most of us tend to live each day of our lives in the church and in our lives as believers. A place called almost there. He told the scribe, the writer of religious law, he said, you understand, but you are not far from the kingdom of God. It is amazing to me that we have no desire to go to the inner courts of the Holy of Holies more. We just stay on the outer courts and say we've arrived. And when God is calling us in. And we go, but God, I'm good. I'm good. At least I'm in the vicinity of where you are. That's like going to a parade and being four blocks inside away from the parade and just hearing the noise. And wondering what's happening. You, you, if all you're doing is hearing the rumblings and you're not experiencing something's wrong, you haven't found a front row seat yet. You can't live in a place called almost there, a place of satisfied dissatisfaction. A place where we almost believe that God, Jehovah, is the one true God. A place where we almost love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. A place where we almost love our neighbors as ourselves. We are close but have not stepped over the line. It's the difference between hearing a message and carrying the message everywhere. Now that we know the two greatest commandments, we have this mission as a church and as believers. How do we do it? Very simple. You ready for this? James 1.22. And this is where I'm closing, Pastor Ben. Come on. James 1.22 says this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I'm going to say this to you very strongly. That if you struggle with doing, then you have not felt the love of God yet. If you struggle with doing, you have not experienced the love of God yet. If you are reserved from doing, you have not experienced the true love of God yet. And I need you to experience that. I need you to get that. Because there is something. The Bible, Joseph is like fire, shut up in bones. Like, I, you know, I could be at home watching a movie and I'm chill. Hang out with my kids, I'm chill. But for some reason, you can ask my son. You get me talking about things of God, I lose my mind. I get pumped. Hair stand up on my arms. I get all this energy and I'm super excited. Why? Why am I excited? Because he's real. Yeah, I get, I, get, I get an hour and a half of my life every week to sit in this room and declare his word. That's not enough for me. I got I to gotta, I gotta do it everywhere I go. I got to sit and listen to stories and hear how good God's been in other people's lives. And while they tell the story, not tell mine, but tell them praise God and celebrate the goodness of God in their lives. I'm a preacher. I talk for a living. I'm good at talking. Amen. But sometimes I got to shut up and listen and let other people declare the goodness of God too and celebrate what God's done in them too. That's loving people. I don't have to have a story for everybody's story. I got tons of stories. I'll do this for the rest of my life. 
But I want to hear yours. I want to hear how good God is in your life. More than me hearing it, has the world heard it yet? Has your neighbor heard it yet? Do they see you for the light that is shining on the inside of you? Or do they see you for the flicker that comes home on a Sunday after church? Is it extinguished by a Monday or is it burning even brighter? Has it become an all-consuming fire or has it just consumed the spaces that you need him to fix in you in the spaces that you're willing to let him have? Or have you let, have you let God consume everything that you are so that you can become everything he's called you to be? Love God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. Love God, love people, love God, love people, love God, love people. Doesn't say go to church. Can I help you with something? It used to be back in the day we didn't have a problem with going to church. I mean, we, I grew up, we went to church Monday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I don't know, I felt like I lived in the church. We should have a room in the back. That's, that's second home. Now it's a struggle just to get people to come to church on a Sunday. You got to beg them. Oh, please come. Oh, oh, please come. Oh, I would love for you. Shut up. Got to send text messages out. We got we to gotta post stuff on social media. We got we to gotta inundate the culture so that the culture knows we're having church. That's the problem. We're only telling the world we're having church. We're not telling the world that we're seeing Jesus. If I woke you up tomorrow morning, I said, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. Jesus is in your living room. I need you to come see it. You wouldn't swap me away and say, man, I need a few more minutes of sleep. You'd get up no matter how you were dressed and come running. In the Bible days, people would go get other people and go, listen, Jesus is going to be on the hill in a minute. He's coming to teach. Come with me. Because I want you to receive what he's doing in my life. I want him to, I want you to, I want him to touch yours. The Messiah is here and he's come to speak words of life and, and, and wisdom and, and declare things, declare the kingdom. Man, you need to come. He's healing the sick. He's laying hands on the sick and watching them recover. You need to come. Stop inviting people to your church and start inviting them to the glory of God. Stop inviting them to another church service. They don't care about your church services. Church sucks. It does. Church sucks. I'm going to make a t-shirt one day that just says that church sucks. On the back it says, but my God doesn't. Because the church has ruined things. But God right now, and I'm telling you this, this is all I can think about, sleep, pray. It's everything I feel. God is writing the church for those who are willing to step back to a place and say, God will fix it. This is what he told me this last week, and I promise I'm done. We were living in this space with God. For years, we were, we were winning the lost. We were telling people about God. The churches were filled not with people who were looking for handouts, but people that were expectant of the move of God. We were running at God. And then all of a sudden, we hit a Y in the street. Few churches went with that same space. Most churches went off into the prosperity gospel, the faith gospel, the, the healing, whatever, all these different movements in the church. Quasi-revivals that went up and then failed epically programs, different things, all this stuff. And God, and God said, God, okay, I see it. I see it now. I see it. And I said, okay, I'll just write the wrong. I'll turn back and we'll get back online. He goes, no, I need you to go back to the Y in the road. I need you to go backwards. God, I don't want to go backwards. That's like 20 years. Shut up, Brian, go backwards. So in this last three weeks, I have been literally retracting everything, coming back to a space that is so simple in form. 
so simple in nature to love my God with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength, and to have a desire to love people, to love my neighbor as myself. Do you want to know why there's racial divide? Because we don't love our neighbors as ourselves. We love what looks like us, what acts like us, and talks like us, and everybody else can just go to hell. We don't love each other anymore. We, we, we're, we're pretentious when we walk into a room. We walked in, my wife and I went to a, a, a clean comedy show on Saturday night. It was more about the church than it was anything else. Out of the whole room, out of the 900 people in the room, my wife were two of the eight white people in that room. And I was loving it. And we got out of the car. We got, out, we got in the car. And my wife and I were joking. I'm like, man, this is, this is funny to me because I've grown up on both sides of the street. And, and I understand both cultures. And, and, and I get it. And, and, and I don't get everything, but I get a good piece of it. I'll say that. I get a good piece of it. And my wife and I looked and I said, she said, man, she jokingly said, I felt like I was, we were with our people. And you go, what? They're all our people. But we would go, oh, you're just saying a black, white thing. No, you foolish ignorance. No, everybody is my people because I love my neighbor. Three doors down from me, we have a Muslim guy that walks up and down the street praying in his full garb every morning. He waves, I wave. He comes to me, he says, you're new to the neighborhood. I said, yes, sir. He goes, my name, and I can't pronounce it again because it was too big for me. It wasn't like Bob or John. It was something else. He shakes my hand. I said, man, it's, it's, an, it's a pleasure to meet you. He, we talked for a few minutes, and then he went on about his business. The next couple of days later, he's out walking again. Comes back and talks to me. He goes, what do you do for a living? That's why I pastor a church. He goes, man, that's really cool. I said, thank you. I appreciate that. And I got to talk in a few minutes. And I looked at him. I said, you know what? I said, can I just say something to you? I admire you. He said, why? I said, every morning you get up and you walk these streets and you pray. I said, what's sad to me is as a pastor of a church, I can't even get church people to say they're believers to get up and do that. He goes, yeah, man, it's, it's my desire to do that every day. So I saw him, what was it, yesterday. I was taking the trash out of the trash can. I saw him yesterday. And I said, hey, when we talk next time, because he was kind of moving, he was going and driving in his car. I said, when I see you next time on the street, let me know what time you get up. Every once in a while, I want to get up. Would you mind if I pray to my God while you pray to yours? I didn't try to change him. I just want to get in where he's at. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. And I'm going to let him feel what I feel every day. I didn't say I was going to, y'all know me, I'm not quiet. <laughs> Ain't going to be no this little light of mind prayers. Like, but I'm going to pray. And you know what he said to me? He goes, man, I think that'd be awesome. That'd be really cool. His eyes are like this big around while I'm talking to him. But why, why do you try to convert him? Why do you try to change him? Every assignment is not try to rip somebody apart and make them what you want them to be. Sometimes you just got to demonstrate God to them right where they stand. I can't make him change his belief, but I can show him how big my God is. And show him through love that I can love him even in the midst of his confusion. 
but we will isolate ourselves from that situation because it's not like us. Don't say you love your neighbors until you can cross that space. He said, love those that you don't want to love. Love those that are unlike you. Love those that are the least like you. Love those that don't, don't accept what you believe. Love them. Love them. Because watch this. Jesus came with the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile us as people back to God. Why? Because we were unbelievers. He had to convince us to believe. And he kept doing it over and over and over until God said his time was done. And then it became whose job? Raise your hand. Became ours. Now we have to go do it. We can't sit in churches anymore and soak up seats and soak up AC and hear good, good messages and hear good worship and then say we did our part. You have not done your part until you've decided to love people. To love thy neighbor as thyself. These are the two greatest commandments. And we won't, it won't be said that we are not far from God. It will be said that this house walks with God. Everybody stand to your feet.